A swing and a high fly ball. Deep right field. It's a slam. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron. How about the old Uncle Charlie here? The pitch. Swing and a miss. Threw the fastball right by him, and he strikes him out for the third time. And that's eight Ks for the Cardinal Hurricanes. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarin. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Big show for you tonight. We are going to talk about uh, Cardinals, a move they made last weekend. Also, the club now just a couple of weeks away from reporting to spring training down in Jupiter, Florida. Baseball announcing the Hall of Fame class. Four new members announced this afternoon. Going to be inducted in Cooperstown this summer. Uh, so we have a lot to get to. Coming up in a moment, Dan McLaughlin will join us. We'll visit with Rick Hummel in this first hour as well to talk Hall of Fame. Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosellock, joins us. He'll be pinch hitting for Mike Gersh, the GM, who is down with the flu. Kenny Wallace, our buddy, was just at fantasy camp. And the legendary NASCAR driver and commentator now will fill us in on his weekend. Plus, we'll visit with Kyle McClellan. We'll hear from Carlos Martinez and bring you a little bit more from winter warm-up last weekend at Hyatt Regency at the Arch. But let's get started and get right into some of the recent moves the Cardinals have made. Dan McLaughlin of Fox Sports Midwest joins us for a couple of minutes to chat on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Dan, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you, Chris? Doing very well. Cardinals make a move on Friday. They send Randall Gritchick to the Toronto Blue Jays for some pitching. Dominic Leone, who was in the Blue Jays' bullpen last year, and also a right-handed prospect. Uh, your thoughts first on the Cardinals sending some outfielders out. McNeera Sierra, Stephen Piscotty, Randall Gritchick, uh, all traded by the club this offseason. Well, I think going into the uh, offseason, we knew they had a, a surplus of outfielders. You knew that there was going to be some type of movement. You just you couldn't keep all those guys. Uh, in particular, with Gritchick, I think the way to look at it is that, you know, he did get opportunity in St. Louis, close to 500 at-bats, 450 at-bats uh, the last couple of years, and had to be sent up and down to get a swing correct. So with the uh, addition of Ozuna, it just made sense, and the Cardinals had a need in the uh, bullpen to try to bolster that, and maybe they catch lightning in a bottle with a prospect. Um, it just made sense all the way around. I'm sad to see him go. Good guy. I think he's a talented player, and everybody's just still waiting to untap that potential. If he can cut down on his strikeouts and draw more walks and put the ball in play, I think you're talking about an outstanding addition for Toronto. But uh, it just didn't all come together here in St. Louis. And a guy in Lyon who was very good last year, is cost-controlled and will be under control for the next four years. Yeah, and, and you look at some of the years that he had previous to the, the last season that he put together in Toronto, which was outstanding. He was an up-and-down guy at times, but uh, the Cardinals need help in their bullpen. And I, I think when you go in right now as we speak to spring training, it's a good team. Not a great team, but a good team has a chance to be outstanding with the potential that uh, is on this roster with some of the young players. So you add a veteran to the mix, and uh, you hope that you bolster your bullpen going forward. Do you think they need to add any more pitching from the outside, whether it be someone that competes for the starting rotation or another piece of the bullpen? I know the 40-man roster is at 40, but do you think they need to make another addition before they head south? I would like to see certainty with the rotation in particular. I think there's still question marks with that rotation, whether it be the health of Adam Wainwright, 
uh, Mikolas coming in and, and can he do what he did in Japan? Um, you look at a guy like Michael Waka, is he going to be fully healthy? Luke Weaver, Jack Flaherty, uh, what can they do? Does Alex Reyes potentially go into the rotation? So a lot of question marks. I, I think, though, going into this spring training more so than others, and we'll know now in the next two to three weeks, there are still a lot of available arms out there, and the Cardinals still have a lot of depth uh, in their minor league system. So if they need to figure out that, you know, hey, we need to add an arm or two, they certainly could do that via trade or look at uh, what they have within. In terms of their bullpen, I liken this to what we saw a few years ago with Segrist and Martinez and uh, and Rosenthal, where you know it looked like Mo kind of had that internal date in mind. Didn't go public with it, uh, but knew that if all went right and everything went to plan, that these guys should be ready, and all of a sudden the bullpen took on a different look. So I, I kind of think that that could happen this year with the depth that they have with some of the guys that uh, are top prospects within the organization. You know, as far as the free agent market goes, with every day that goes by, are you surprised and, and a little bit more surprised with the names that are still out there? I am surprised, but I also understand why. And I, I think the game is going to a direction that's just younger, 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 and more uh, cost-effective in terms of being able to, to have that property, if you will, uh, longer than just uh, maybe a year or two or three years on a free agent to contract. And I think with the, there's a couple of things. I think, number one, with PEDs out of the game, uh, you're seeing now that older players aren't valued like they were. And let's face it, when guys get to be 31, 32, 33, it's a young man's game, number two. And, and you're just not seeing the long-term commitment to having a player that as he gets older, you know the production will not be there in years, let's say, 35, 36, 37. So I do think that's why teams are staying away. We're going to visit with John Mozeliak coming up here in a couple of segments, Dan, as you kick off the show with us. I know that tomorrow night, John, uh, will be with you uh, over at the SLU first pitch dinner at Chaffetz Arena. 100 bucks for tickets. You can go to slubillikins.com. What do you like about the opportunity to chat with John in a forum like that, uh, chat with Jim Edmonds? You guys were fantastic on stage at winter warm-up, but the chance to get guys in a different environment and dig in a little bit more about stuff that's maybe outside of some of the X's and O's that we usually talk about on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, Mo is great in these settings, and I've done a lot of these uh, types of, of dinners and um, events with Mo, especially with the Cardinals and our season ticket base or our sweet holders or just special groups that come in. And, you know, he's just it just seems like he's a little bit more open as opposed to maybe in a media scrum. Um, for whatever reason, and it's an intimate setting, and, and you can ask him anything. You want to ask him why Albert Pujols isn't in St. Louis, which I probably will ask him about. Uh, we'll get into that and what into the you know dynamics of went into that kind of decision, the off season of this year, um, and where the Cardinals may be, and the long term success that they've had, how they've been able to do it. All those kind of things are on the table with Mo, and and he's great about these types of events and understanding that people paid a lot of money to to see him speak and to see him answer some questions and. Uh, we're looking forward to it. And it's also very important to help out the SLU baseball program. I mean, any time that you look at even you know the top programs in the country, they need these types of fundraisers. It's not basketball or football. This is baseball, which is not a huge revenue sport.
sport in college, obviously, outside of a, a handful of places. So every dime really counts towards equipment and uniforms and travel and the, the various things that go into this. And the SLU program has been very good. They've been good in the A-10. Darren Henderson's done an outstanding job. So uh, we, I always try to support the community in different ways, and this is a, a fun one with the SLU baseball program. Go to slubillikins.com. That is Thursday night, tomorrow night at Shea Fitz Arena. Dan, appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time. We'll see you soon. Have a great show. Thanks, Chris. Hey, 2018 theme tickets on sale now and include returning favorites like Star Wars Night, Margaritaville Night, and many more. For details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash themes. We're back in a moment. Hall of Fame announcements today. We'll talk it over with the Hall of Famer Rick Hummel next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Emerin on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Great to have Hall of Famer Rick Hummel join us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. We spoke a couple of weeks ago before the Baseball Writers' Dinner, and now we get the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement this afternoon. Kamish, how are you? I'm fine, sir. How are you? Very good. Thank you for joining us. We get the announcement. Four players getting a call to the Hall, including Chipper Jones and Vladimir Guerrero. Both guys receiving over 90% of the vote. Also, Jim Tomey and Trevor Hoffman headed to the Hall for Jones and Tomey both elected in their first year of eligibility. What do you think in broad sense of the group of four that's going to be enshrined in Cooperstown this summer? Well, a great group. I'm kind of surprised that Guerrero did not get in last year. He got uh, 74% or something. To go to 90 is a big step there right. in, in one year. So I, I, I was surprised he wasn't in last year. And Hoffman, with 601 saves, was an automatic, I think, even though he fell five votes short last year. Uh, Edgar Martinez was on. He was sort of the poster boy of the, of the pre-balloting, I think. that There's a big campaign to, to get him in. He went up about 12% this year, but ultimately he fell back from the 77 that was on the, the tracking ballots, which was about half of them, to 70.2%. His next year is, is his last year on the ballot, and generally you pick up 5 or 6% or more on your last year, so I don't think there's any doubt he'll be in next year. What do you make of what has been described as a front log of candidates commission a guy like vladdy who you expected maybe would have gotten in last year you've got restrictions on how many guys you can vote for and the fact that then votes are, are kind of spread around and you know guys that i think are, are going to get in ultimately get in but you know someone like jim edmonds who fell off the ballot after just one time on it seems like there are some folks that maybe should be in and, and i'm glad we had four in now so that the votes can can potentially be dispersed a little bit more moving forward. I'm still mystified, <clears throat> as I was in all the years Lee Smith didn't get. Oh yeah. Now we have Fred McGriff is sort of playing the same role here, and he was in the like the twenty percent. You kidding me, Fred yeah. McGriff? <laughs> he was one of the top sluggers. Look at his RBI totals, uh, and a guy that that not many people talk about, but look at his numbers compared to Ryan Sandberg is Jeff Kent. Yeah, he was kind of a. You know, kind of a gruff guy to deal with sometimes, but that's not the point. He was he was a, a great power-hitting second baseman who wasn't as bad a fielder as, as maybe people thought he was. But uh, those are two guys that, that bother me not being in, as does Larry Walker not being, even though he made quite a rise. He's up around 40% now, which is the highest he's ever been. Do you think there's a way to solve some of the issues? And, again, I understand the process, and you don't want guys voting for, for 20 candidates, but – is there a way to solve that so that uh, more guys are getting a fair shake or more guys are getting more of a chance on the ballot, if that makes sense? Well, I think we'll find that next year. Uh, 
we just happen to have a, a cycle here where these guys, you know, a lot of them, a lot of good players became eligible this year. But now that four guys have gone in, you figure Martinez and Mussina have a leg up on next year, and Mariano Rivera will be a, a first timer next year. But after that, there, there's not much else first time coming on next year. This means that you might see. Well, even Schilling, you know, who's in the in the 60 range now, will have a better chance, and maybe Walker will move up, and the other guys will move up. But I think the ballot will open up a little bit more. We've just had a stretch where a lot of big time players came up about the same time. You saw a lot of Chipper Jones, 97.2 percent of the vote. Um, switch hitter ranks third all time in home runs by a switch hitter. The the numbers eye popping, the three four five slash line. The only guy from both sides of the plate with at least 1,000 at-bats to do that. And I don't want to romanticize things too much, but I love the fact that all 19 seasons with the Atlanta Braves, what what a special, special player Chipper was. Yeah, you talk switch hitters of all time. You talk Mantle, Murray, and Chipper Jones, basically, the top three power-hitting switch hitters of all time. You think back to his last game in 2012 when he had an awful game against the Cardinals in that playoff game, that one, one wild card game down there where the Braves should have won and they couldn't, he couldn't, Chipper Gones couldn't catch a cold that day. He was striking mm-hmm. out, making errors, and, they, and everybody knew it was his last, every, every game, you know, his last game was going to be that year, whether they got into the next round or whatever. And I, I hated to see him go out that way, but I think, I think today is a lot better time now than he had then. How about Vladimir Guerrero and uh, Jim Tomey as well? Tomey, a guy who is elected, again, his, his first time on the ballot and just one of those personalities that I think anyone who's ever spent any time around him realizes just what a genuine guy is. Guerrero, just kind of that infectious personality as well. And two guys just wherever they were, wherever they were playing, such incredible offensive threats, albeit very different kinds of hitters. I think some similarities in the production and just in the way that, you know, anyone who, who spent time around both of those guys felt about them. Well, I was a little surprised that Tommy did as well as he did. I, I thought he yeah. really get in to get 90% for being – he was not a five-tool player now. He could not run, and he was not a great defender. And his arm was modest, so he was pretty much a, a one-tool performer. He was a pretty good average hitter, but, but a great power hitter. Whereas Guerrero was a five-tool player. He could run, throw, he could uh, catch, he could – hit home runs and hit for average. So that's they, they, there was a big difference there. Their production was very similar. But uh, I, I, I thought Guerrero was the, the better player, but I'm glad they're both in. You know, I wonder about those Indians teams uh, where Tomei came up. Teams were so, so good. And you mentioned Eddie Murray. They had guys like Eddie Murray at the end of his career, Harold Baines at the end of his career, David Justice, guys that were DHing. If Tomei had not been... I don't mean this flippantly or disrespectfully, but if he had not been standing at first base, if he had been a DH for those teams, and I know he went to the National League for a few years, but if he had been a DH during his heyday in Cleveland, do you think we would view him differently? Sure. In fact, he was the third baseman in those clubs. Yeah. They had had Sorrento at first base that one year. Uh, Then he moved to first. Um, Yeah, sure, because Martinez, Edgar Martinez, was a better average hitter than Tommy by a lot. Uh, and is still waiting to get in. He should make it in next year, but he didn't have 612 home runs. And you, that that team you spoke of also had you know, Manny Ramirez. Oh, yeah. Often there's some players on that club. Robbie Alomar, yeah. Probably the best team, and both Alomars, and both teams not to win a world championship. How about Trevor Hoffman as, as well, Commission? Just the stretch of dominance as a closer. I know it can be a bit of a lightning rod when we're talking about closers and the Hall of Fame, and we're talking about saves, and you know someone like Lee Smith is not in, but... Hoffman just um, 
remarkable what he was able to do uh, over the course of, of his career. 601 saves. Now, a lot of them were one-inning saves, and that differentiates him from Suter and and some of the, even Lou Smith and some of the guys who were in the Hall of Fame fingers. Uh, Eckersley was a closer to some point uh, earlier on. And um, and then later, it was a starter earlier than a closer later. But um, I think this will bode well for Lee Smith. I sure hope it does because he comes up on the Veterans Committee consideration uh, this next December. And um, I, I hope, you know, Hoffman and Rivera both went past him, but Lee Smith is still in the top two or th- top three or four in saves. And uh, I, I think was a better reliever than Hoffman. So I'm hopeful that that, that leads the path to him getting in. So Larry Walker, 34.1% of the vote. Scott Rowland, 10.2%. Those guys will remain in the ballot. We see Chris Carpenter and Jason Isringhausen, uh, 0.5% for Carpenter, 0 for, for Izzy. But uh, Walker and Rowland, guys that, uh, you know, you already mentioned Larry Walker will, I think rightfully so, be able to remain on, on the ballot uh, at least for the next year or so. Yeah, it's kind of unusual that, that Rowland got 10% and Edmonds got, what, 4 Yeah, they're, they're pretty comparable players. Uh there's a lot of pretty good talent that got no votes. I don't. Did Jamie Moore get any votes? He won 269 games. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Izzy had a lot of saves, and then Johnny Damon had a whole bunch of hits, and he was nowhere close to being in. Andrew Jones has, has made the cut, and, and Sammy Sosa's got that solid 8% still. He, <laughs> he stays down there every year, but he'll be back next time. Rick Hummel, we appreciate you uh, joining us for a couple of minutes. You bet. Make your plans. Head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at 1-800-892-7687 or cardinals.com slash vacations. Thank you to Rick Hummel. We'll chat with Cardinals, president of baseball operations, John Mosellock, next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Ameren continues and pinch hitting for Cardinals general manager Mike Gersh is president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak. Mo, how are you, man? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, since we last spoke at Cardinals winter warm-up, you guys made a move, sending Randall Gritchick up to Toronto for a couple of pitchers. Tell us first a little bit about the process and uh, the thought process behind uh, exploring some opportunities and, and eventually sending uh, Randall to the Blue Jays. Yeah, so taking a step backwards, clearly when, when we entered the offseason, we knew we were going to have to move some outfielders. And and part of that process, obviously, we had listened on, on Gritchick. Obviously, we traded Stephen Piscotty, and we moved uh, Mr. Sierra. So during that time, we knew who had interest in, in Gritch. And then after uh, winter warm-up, it became pretty clear to, to me and, and really others that it, it might make the most sense for us to try to do something with Gritch just because we felt like, you know, Bader's close, O'Neill's close. We have Adolis Garcia, who we'd like to make sure gets challenged at AAA. Um, there's depth in that minor league system that needs to get pushed. And, and we added Mercado to, to the 40-man. So in doing so, we just thought we'd explore what this might look like our focus all along was we wanted control, a controllable reliever, and if we could get a prospect, that'd be great. And, and so ultimately, uh, the deal with Toronto checked a lot of boxes for us because we have control over Leon for for four years, and you know we think he's one of those types of pitchers that, if he's not a closer, he's definitely someone that can be using that seventh, eighth, and even ninth inning 
in, at some level. So we just feel like he can give us that high leverage type of op- opportunity. And then in, in Green's case, power arm, 22-year-old, um, not saying he is exactly what, what Sandy Alcantara was, but there are some similarities. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about what you like about Leon. Obviously, last year uh, with Toronto, the numbers were pretty staggering in, in the role that he had. Uh, your thoughts on his makeup, his stuff, and, and how you think, not necessarily inning specifically, but how you think he fits into the group you have in the bullpen right now? Well, I think the one thing that stands out with him is it was his ability to, to strike people out. And if you have that skill, that seems to be one that you can replicate and, and, and continue. And I think the other point of that is, is is guys like that tend to be able to do that wherever they're used. And and so I think when you look at, at last year's performance, I mean, it, it, was, it was really impressive. I mean, it was borderline elite relative to the league. And, and so, you know, we are, are certainly excited about that. We feel like, like he has all the attributes to fit in. And I also know that, that he's eager to to you know, show that, that he belongs in a in a robust role. Do you still want to add to your bullpen in terms of who you'll bring to Jupiter? <laughs> no, it's a great question and a fair question. Um, you know, I, I don't – I'm a little nervous because I think we're starting to run out of room um, with, with that, meaning like is a real opportunity. I also – we are at 40 at this point, but, I, you know, I think, you know, Saying no to something is never smart, so I think what I'll do is say that, you know, we're open to, to something that we feel, if it makes us better, we'll pursue it. Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mozeliak, with us. Uh, I think that folks obviously know Harrison Bader. We've gotten to know Tyler O'Neill. I want to ask you about Oscar Mercado and also Adalis Garcia. And Mercado, one of the guys who is part of that really, really talented group that was in Springfield last year. What do you like about him? Uh, it seems that he's finding more ways to get on base. And tell us a little bit about his speed and how that plays, John. Yeah, so a couple things. One is, um, as you know, he was a shortstop. He was converted at the end of uh, 16 to the outfield, and, and he just did a tremendous job defensively last year. Um, you know, candidly, when we would bring up Sierra, uh, a lot of times when when you'd see Sierra go back to Double A, he was playing right field because Mercado was playing center. So. That'll tell you sort of the, the the level of defense this young man has. Uh, so he made just great strides last year. I think the big question was what he hit, and he ended up having a very good offensive year at Springfield. And it's it's one that you're you should have a good year at Springfield offensively if you're going to play in the big leagues because it is a hitter's league. But he did it, and that was great to see. So you know it's an important year for him to to now take this step offensively and show that he can do it at a higher level and he'll get that opportunity and that challenge. And then when you talk about speed, I mean, obviously, when you look at him versus Sierra, Sierra was probably the fastest guy we had in our system, but I would say that Mercado had more usable speed. He had the ability to steal bases, and I think instinctively he's just someone that we have a lot more confidence in as becoming a base stealer. So, you know, I think the, the the type of profile he has is very interesting and one that we're very excited about. How about Adolis Garcia, John? And you guys work him out, sign him last year in spring, Cuban player who uh, turned, I believe, 24 just after you signed him last year at the beginning of March. What did you expect from him last year, knowing there was a lot of probably unexpected? And what did you see from him as he played at two levels, both AA and AAA last year? You know, I think, I think when... 
like Adolis for us, the, the biggest question we had really was how is he going to adjust to to playing baseball again? Yeah. Because I think the one thing that people forget about when, when a lot of these young men um, come from Cuba, they, they may take a year or two off. And, and that was definitely a concern for us. We saw but, it with Diaz, right, and, and some of the injuries he dealt with. I think, yeah, and I think in Diaz's case, he was just over-showcased. And, and I think that became one of the things that dragged him down a little bit. But obviously, um, we gave him plenty of time to heal. But I do think there's some, a lot of times it's a negative when you're looking at it just from uh, what you should expect. But I think in, in Adolis's case, the biggest thing for us was sort of the unknown on how he would adjust culturally. Because you brought up Diaz, and Diaz was someone that we kept in Jupiter for a while. We were able to sort of take baby steps. You know, Adolis broke camp, sent him, you know, really straight to double A. He ended up having, you know, over 500 plate appearances and, and so really just kind of hit the ground running. And, you know, he's a young man that, that I think from just a physical standpoint, as you point out, he's, he's over 24 years old, so he's a little bit more advanced than, than maybe some of the competition, but I think he adjusted to the competition rather quickly. I think from a defensive standpoint, he can play all three outfield positions. I think, you know, when you're looking at his offensive profile, he's someone that, that could be a, a middle-of-the-order type hitter. I think this is a year that really we're going to understand exactly what we have, and, and that was, was somewhat of the crux of our offseason dilemma was creating that opportunity for, for someone like Adolis because, you know, clearly sending him back to double-A would have made no sense. John, I was on a Cardinals caravan with Alex Reyes, and you know, not surprisingly, the questions he gets asked are, when are we going to see you? When are you going to be back on the mound? I know he's back in, in Jupiter throwing right now, and I know probably not a ton has changed since the last time we talked, but if folks aren't familiar, can you give us an update kind of on his progress and just maybe the versatility, if that's the right word, of how you guys can not just use him, but the path or the paths that he could potentially have with the club as he works his way back. Yeah, it actually seems like a kind of a hot topic lately because... Um, well, I think people uh, are excited. Yeah, well, I, I, they should be. He's, he's an incredible talent. I do think we want to to manage innings. And, and what I mean by that is is when you're looking at like when he will actually be in a Cardinal uniform, that'll really be driven by how the next eight weeks go. But having said that, if we can you know, be patient and, and allow him to have some normalcy and, and not rush him. I, I could envision using the month of April as, as a rehab opportunity, keep him down um, in Florida, and then progress him accordingly. Then the question is, when you talk about progress him accordingly, what does that look like? And is that as a starter or as someone coming out of the bullpen? I would think the rehab portion of this will be as a starter and then depending on our needs or how we look, we always have that flexibility to, to use them out of the bullpen. You know, one of the things that will help drive this answer will be how he looks off the mound, how he competes, and how he feels when he is in Jupiter. If you leave Jupiter with five healthy guys who pitch well and that's your rotation, and you can make your way through April managing the bullpen – if he looks like Alex Reyes again, and he is one of the best arms at your disposal, does it make sense to use him in the highest leverage situations in the bullpen and, and then manage his innings that way? Well, I, th I think it, you pose an interesting question, which is it's very difficult to answer 
right now because it's more of a hypothetical. Yeah, and I know you hate talking about pitching health in, in January and February. No, but I would say you're right. That's a fact. <laughs> but well, I'm, I'm going to fantasy camp, though, if you need me. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I, what I would say to this is, is that we have to remain open-minded, but Alex is going to be the, the, the sort of the key to how we answer this. In other words, we're not going to put him in a spot where we think we could harm him or, or put him in a place where he could injure himself. And, and the, there's always that unknown, starting versus relieving. The one thing I will tell you is, is starting is a controlled environment. You know you're going to have those four days off. You know how you can use your, your bullpen. You know you have four straight days of rest, sometimes five. What you can't do in the bullpen is, is control that environment in terms of you know, when you're going to get someone up, when you're going to get them hot, when you're going to use them. And, and that yo-yo effect can be a little bit of a concern to someone like myself when you're trying to protect someone like Alex. Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak. Appreciate you uh, joining the program, Mo, and look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks so much. All right. Well, you have fun down there at that camp, and don't get hurt. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Be well. The 2018 Cardinals official calendar spotlights the signature artwork of the team photographers with a special salute to your favorite Cardinals birthdays. On sale now throughout Metro St. Louis, including the Bush Stadium Team Store, Cardinals Clubhouse Shops, and Area Grocers. Or call 345-9000. Plus, we'll give one away right now. Caller 5 at 314-531-1120. We'll win a Cardinals calendar. We're back next. We'll hear from Kenny Wallace, who is down at Cardinals Fantasy Camp on Cardinals. Countdown to opening day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back as we continue in our first hour. Thank you to Dan McLaughlin, Rick Hummel, and John Mozalock for joining us on the program. Let's keep it rolling, and let's head south. Our buddy Kenny Wallace is fresh off of Cardinals Fantasy Camp in Jupiter, Florida. Kenny, what's going on, man? Chris, I am in Tampa, Florida, uh, getting ready to uh, to race my dirt car. Even though I retired from NASCAR, I still race dirt racing. I guess you could compare it to the uh, double-A in baseball, <laughs> and it's a load of fun. Well, you were in the big leagues this past weekend. Holy cow, man. And... Everyone has to, has to, has to follow you on Twitter at Kenny underscore Wallace. But holy cow, what in the world was Fantasy Camp like, my man? Fantasy Camp, uh, well, the Cardinal Fantasy Camp is absolutely incredible. And I guess the first thing I want everybody to know is that, it, you know, it, it's a, a charity-driven uh, fun time. So, you know, you pay a fee, you get to play with the Legends, and, you know, the Cardinals give the money to, uh, like, Mercy Hospital. And then, of course, we had uh, Carlos Martinez down there with Tony La Russa, Matt Holliday. And uh, a lot of the money also went to Carlos Martinez's uh, Tsunami Waves charity. So it starts out as a charity and then becomes a really tough competition. You were just looked like having the time of your life, Kenny. Just oh, what was it like to, to be a part of that, to play and just – experience what you know big leaguers experience down at the complex in jupiter you know it was a life changer uh, i'm not going to exaggerate it it changed my life uh, you know i've been looking for something to separate 2017 to 2018 you know sometimes these these years just roll together but uh you know i listen i live eat and breathe cardinal baseball and i was talking to some of my friends down there and i said you know i get emotional when I talk about the Cardinals, because that STL logo, 
that that means the city of St. Louis for me. It just doesn't mean a baseball team. And uh, to be able to, you know, hang out with, uh, you know, John Tudor, who is a Cardinal legend, Ray Langford, Jason Marquise, Rick Ankiel, Ryan Ludwig, and I think you get the hint. It goes on and on and on. And literally to play baseball with them and sit on the bench and they're their teammates. And we played six games in three days, and it, it was a dream. How'd you play, man? You know what? I'll tell you, I, I thought I did okay for 54 years old. Uh, I believe I got up the bat like 14 times, uh, about two times a game, and uh, uh, hit some pretty good balls. Uh, I think I struck out twice, got Bean really Yeah, you got plunked, eight. didn't you, the first day? <laughs> oh, man, I didn't expect it. Uh, I, saw it I thought it was going to be uh, inside, and it, it looked like it was cutting the opposite way. It was cutting into me, and uh, it got me pretty hard. But uh, I thought I played pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a great fielder. I played Corey League when I was a kid, but listen, we don't get serious about our play at 54 years old. One thing we do is we just – it's a chance to put on the legendary Cardinal uniform. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say that, you know, Rick Horton and Al Roboski, I got to give them a shout-out. They are absolutely incredible. Uh, they are the ones that started the Cardinal Fantasy Camp, and they give you your money's worth. The food was incredible. Uh, you know, the locker rooms, the uniforms, uh, it was just the best. I encourage, encourage anyone to do it. You will not be disappointed. Kenny, are, are you excited about the year? What, what are your thoughts and what was kind of the buzz down there about uh, the team as they will report now in a couple of weeks? Well, I, you know, it wasn't a real big buzz, but obviously we all learned that Grichik is, is gone now. Yeah. and You know, that, that was a light little buzz. Uh, I, I think we all end up talking a little bit of baseball. Uh, one thing I will tell you about Cardinal baseball, and I know you know it, is that it's very intense. They believe in their team, uh, and when you put that uniform on, you're all in. So there's definitely no negativity, uh, you know, and, and everybody's all in. We're ready to go, and, uh, you know, I know the biggest question is a reliever, but, you know, uh, Mo and the team, you know, they know what they're doing, and we're going to go with them. We're not going to complain, and Let's play ball. And, uh, you know, listen, people are found somewhere, right? We've had players come up out of AAA, you know, whether it's Memphis or Springfield, you know, Missouri. Let's just see what happens. But but I'm not panicking. I'm not worried. Uh, let's see how it goes first. So, Kenny, give us an idea of, of kind of your schedule now as uh, we get into 2018 and, and with the dirt racing especially. And I know that you're spending uh, a lot more time and spending time with some grandbabies. But uh, what's this year going to hold for you? Well, uh, my number one priority still is I work for Fox Sports uh, NASCAR. So uh, today, what is today? Tuesday, and uh, we'll uh, we're going to go race our dirt car right outside of Tampa, Florida. Here, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then I head on over to Charlotte, North Carolina. And one of my jobs at Fox Sports is to do in-depth sit-down interview with the great uh, NASCAR drivers. So. Uh, Kevin Harvick is next up, and then uh, we're awesome. going to mosey on over to, um, to Bubba Wallace's house, and he's one of the new drivers for Richard Petty. So that's what's going on. Man, I love that. I uh, I used to have a Harvick uh, 29 Pennzoil hat. So there you go. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the, the interesting thing right now in our sport is that we definitely have a new changing of the guard. Uh, the oldest driver in NASCAR right now is Kevin Harvick and one more Jimmy Johnson. 
at 42 years old. Gosh, that's crazy. That, yeah, that shocked a lot of people. So, you know, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is gone. Tony Stewart's gone. Jeff Gordon's gone. Matt Kenseth's gone. So we truly, this is the year of a new era. NASCAR is exciting. There's great new drivers in like Chase Elliott. Of course, uh, Kyle Larson, William Byron. It goes on and on. So um, I'm excited about this year. And uh, these intense, in-depth interviews that I do, uh, they will they will air uh, just an hour or so before the running of the Daytona 500. That's great. So, uh, Kenny, you're the best, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, Cardinals, steam tickets, they're on sale now for the 2018 season. All of your returning favorites, like Margaritaville Night, Star Wars Night, and more. For details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash theme. A couple of new nights, including Elvis Night this June against Pittsburgh. We're back in a moment to wrap up the first hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Wrapping up the first hour of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Don't forget the 2018 Cardinals official calendar. It spotlights the signature artwork of the team photographers with a special salute to your favorite Cardinals birthdays. On sale now throughout St. Louis, including the Bush Stadium Team Store, Cardinals Clubhouse Shops, and Area Grocers. Or call 314-345-9000. We'll give one away right now to Caller 5. That's Caller 5 at 314-531-1120. Win a 20 18 Cardinals counter. Thank you to Dan McLaughlin, Rick Hummel, John Mozeliak, and Kenny Wallace. We'll head back to Florida to check in with former Cardinal and World Series champion Kyle McClellan when we come back. We'll also hear from Carlos Martinez. He's playing swashbuckler along with Mike Claiborne, sailing the seven seas on the Cardinals cruise. We'll hear from Mike Shannon and John Rooney as well. It's all coming your way in hour two of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ammer and Chris Raby with you, Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, helping us out tonight as well. And we're back after this in the Cardinals Radio Network. A swing and a high fly ball. Deep right field. It's a slam. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ammer. How about the old Uncle Charlie here? The pitch. Swing and a miss. Threw the fastball right by him, and he strikes him out for the third time. And that's eight Ks for the Cardinal Hurricane. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Let's head to Florida. That's where we find Kyle McClellan as we kick off Hour 2 of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron. You hear Kyle on our broadcast. He's also... Uh, down at fantasy camp right now, one weekend in the books, one to go. Kyle, what's up, man? How's how's the body feeling after a long weekend last week? Well, I'm still recovering. So we we played 50 innings in three wow. days, and uh, championship game we went we lost four to one in the 14th inning. So it was a a lot of baseball played, and I I feel it. I mean, my hamstrings and my quads, my groin, my calves, my heels. Are all all, uh, all hurting, but I've had a few days to recover. So tomorrow starts camp number two. I should be ready to go. It's so cool, man. We visited with Kenny Wallace in our last hour, and aside from you know the charitable aspect of what this weekend is, what these weekends are now down in Florida and St. Louis and Cooperstown as well. Just, I'm sure you've been through so many of them that you know you understand what happens and you know what to expect. But to see the faces of of people like Kenny Wallace who has competed at the highest level in sports. You know, he's racing the Daytona 500. To see someone like that be blown away by an experience like this and spending time with you guys, the former Cardinals, and the first-class event that the Cardinals put on, what does that mean to you? Well, 
I will say with Kenny Wallace, they, one morning they did ask, we had some professional athletes in the crowd, and they asked all the professional athletes to stand up. And then they gave him trouble for him claiming to be an athlete. So they were they were questioning whether or not race car drivers are athletes or not. But we did. We had. Uh, well, hey, take a look at his career earnings, and that will tell you real quick if he's a professional athlete. <laughs> we had uh, we had a long snapper in there. We had a football player, a couple guys that played minor league baseball. So it was a, it was a fun group. But forty percent of our campers were first timers, and so just like you said, it, it is so fun to see their reaction the first night when they're interacting with the players, the Hall of Famers. We had Matt Holiday on stage. We had Tony LaRusso on stage doing a uh, talking baseball portion. And then when they come in and see their, their locker with their name on a Cardinal jersey and uh, just go through the first day, it, it's really cool. It kind of energizes you. And it's the, one of the things I love most about fantasy camp is seeing so many guys that, uh, that come back year after year and girls. We have one gal that's done 15 of them in a row. And uh, they come back year after year, and you build that relationship with them, keep up with them throughout the year. And then building new relationships and meeting new people, it's always uh, a lot of fun. On the field, not so much because the play is terrible, but off the field, we always have a great time. Kyle McClellan is with us, uh, Cardinals legends and some Cardinals Hall of Famers, of course, in the mix. We get the announcement this afternoon, four new guys headed to the Hall of Fame. Guys that I'm sure you're very familiar with, Kyle. Chipper Jones, Vladimir Guerrero, Jim Tomey, Trevor Hoffman. I'm wondering for you, uh, growing up as a uh, baseball fan and then a baseball player, to see a player like Chipper, what he did, not just as a switch hitter, but to play 19 years with one organization, 19 years with the Atlanta Braves, what he means to that city, what he means to that club, um, you know, I'm sure you understand it growing up in St. Louis and being able to play with the Cardinals and, and win a World Series with the Cardinals. What do you think about when, when you think about Chipper Jones? Uh, I think about the home run I gave up to him <laughs> in Bush Stadium. When, <laughs> when was that? It comes to mind. Uh, probably 2009, maybe 2010. Mm. Uh, snuck it right over the wall there in right field. But, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. But secondly, it's you know as a kid growing up, uh, I, I watched Chipper Jones play. I mean, he was a guy that uh, always stood out. That uh, you were you were excited to see when he came to Bush Stadium and get a chance to watch him live. And uh, you know, just a competitor, just a guy like you said to stay with one organization for for that long and to be in the face of the franchise, handle it as well as he did, and and uh, just perform at that high level is is pretty impressive. I, look at that list of names going in. That's about as good as a list you can get. I mean, that, those are. Extremely impressive, Jim Tomey. You know, Jim you know a, Jim a little bit, don't you? Through uh, Drury Outdoors. Yeah, so we hunt on the same. Uh, we're part of the same team, the Drury Outdoors team. And he's from and, Peoria. Uh, from Peoria, yeah. So we we uh, uh, he 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 loves the outdoors and loves uh, hunting and fishing. And and actually, Tony Larusa was just talking about him when he was down here for his talk. We were sitting in the room before he went out, and they were talking hitting him and Ryan Ludwig, Tony Larusa and Ryan Ludwig, and. And Tony said, he goes, you know, the one person I love to talk hitting with is Jim Tomey. He said he knows his stuff, man. And he goes, when he talks, you listen because he really understands it and can break it down and, and relay it. They were talking about coaching hitting because now it's a position that Ryan Ludwig's in with the Cardinals. And he said he is one of the best at it. And very rarely are guys that are that talented and that skilled have the ability to teach it as well. And Jim is a guy that I know there's, there's been a lot of players uh, with the Cardinals that – Jim would text and, and uh, communicate with just because he watches a lot of Cardinals games and uh, and would be helping them out. So Jim is uh, a great guy, and uh, man, he was a heck of a heck of a baseball player as well. And uh, and the other guys, Larry Walker, he's a guy. Man, he's got a 
He's got to get yeah, man. 34%. Larry Walker's got to get him. Maybe I, I don't know why the Riders do it that way. Maybe on his last year, the 10th year, they're going to let him get yeah. in. But, uh, Rick Cummel and I were talking about that. <laughs> yeah, he belongs there. Like a guy who got knocked, I think, a little bit for playing in Coors Field. Despite yeah, but that's f- ridiculous. Well, and, his numbers were exactly the same on the road. Well, and not only that, but how about the fact that he played his first six years in Montreal on teams that weren't very good on an outfield that tore his knees up and he was still getting MVP votes? Yeah, and how about the fact that his arm was as good as anybody, his defense was good. How about his legs, I mean, too? Yeah, that, that doesn't take that, – that has nothing to do with where he played in Colorado. The guy all around was one of the best players of his era and uh, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, no uh, doubt. How about Trevor Hoffman as, as a fellow pitcher, what he was able to – accomplish as a closer what are your uh memories as a as a player of trevor yeah so i, I was surprised that he didn't get in the first time i mean it, it, this is one of the best closers Guerrero too seen. yeah one of the best closers we've seen my my memory of trevor hoffman was uh, my rookie year i pitched in san diego and we're losing and uh, i come in and i'm in the weight room doing my stuff and ron Pallone, who had 16 years in the big leagues or something comes in the weight room and he says hey kid come here and he said, uh, Trevor Hoffman's about to pitch in this game. I want you to put your uniform back on. I want you to go outside and watch this and just enjoy it. And so I did. I, I went out there, and I, I stood in the, in the dugout, and, and you got to hear Hell's Bells come on, and he came in, and lights are flashing. And it was one of the coolest. We lost the game, which stunk, but it was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. So then my next memory of him was in Milwaukee. He got traded to Milwaukee, uh, I believe, around the trade deadline, and he got his 600th save against us. And to <laughs> see him celebrate with his – teammates and, uh, and and just the celebration of, of what he accomplished. I mean, that's incredible. And uh, so he's a guy that always, when he came in, was fun to watch. He was only throwing 84 miles an hour then, but that changeup was still devastating, and he knew how to get guys out. Kyle Loesch started that game for you guys, Mitchell Boggs and Blake Hawksworth. It was Narvison, Carlos Villanueva, who we saw in St. Louis, John Axford, who we saw in St. Louis, and then Trevor Hoffman closing it out. So, uh a couple of degrees of of cardinal there for you guys that day, and man, what an incredible uh, what an incredible arm, Kyle. I want to ask you too. Cardinals make a move last week. They sent Randall Gritchick to Toronto for a couple of pitchers. Dominic Leone, who had a nice year out of the bullpen for Toronto last year, and a prospect. And you know they've now traded Sierra, Piscotti, and Gritchick, but with the addition of Marcelo Zuna, and also I think what you have in the minor leagues as far as Bader, Oscar Mercado, Adalis Garcia. Uh, the Cardinals have been able to accomplish what they wanted to in acquiring some arms, acquiring Ozuna, but also moving a couple of those outfielders out to create some more flexibility and some opportunities for some guys in the minors. Yeah, and I think going into the offseason, you knew that th- this was something that they were going to try to do. They, they were very uh, outspoken about the fact that they have a lot of outfield depth, and that's somewhere that they can deal from, and they were able to do that, get some arms, and uh, you bring in Leon, who who has uh, the capability of throwing late in the game. And then you also get a young prospect. So I think uh, they're able to accomplish some of these things. I, I still feel like they're not done. I still feel like there is a move to be had, and, and there's still a ton of free agents out there. So you know they're monitoring that, uh, keeping keeping their uh, their thumb on, on what's going on and see if there's another move they can make to improve this team. And uh, when, when you look at – at this team, you know, that rotation, do you think the rotation is deep enough right now or could they add another starter? And if an infielder pop up, is, is there somebody you can add and give uh, Matt Carpenter some stability so that he's not having to play multiple positions? If you could set that, that infield, I think uh, the Cardinals would feel a little bit better going into spring. Kyle McClellan, we uh, look forward to seeing you down in Florida this weekend. I will uh, get down there tomorrow. Um, I've been on a, on a strict workout regimen. I've been... <laughs> 
getting myself prepared. I've been uh, just really focusing, you know, as an athlete, we just, we like to focus on all aspects of our body, of our mind, to try to get prepared. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. You better draft me on your team. Yeah, well, I put it this way. We only draft good players, so we'll see how your tryout goes and see if you make it on our squad. Yeah, sounds like you guys were great mustering up one run in 29 (laughs) innings last week in the championship game. Sounds like you really really had just a club full of gym dandies. (laughs) We had fun, that's for sure. All right, brother, we'll see you tomorrow. All righty. 2018 theme tickets on sale now. How about all of your returning favorites like... Blues Night, Star Wars Night, Mizzou and Illini Night, Military Appreciation Night, plus some new additions for 2018. For details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash theme. We'll talk about uh, an event going on at Bush this weekend when we come back on a Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Join now on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day by Cardinals Director of Special Events, Julia Rowe, to talk about the ninth annual Bush Stadium Bridal Show. It's coming up on Sunday, this Sunday, January 28th, at Bush Stadium uh, at the Redbird Club from 1230 to 4. Julia, how are you? I'm well. How are you today? Doing very well. As we work our way through the offseason, one of the staples, now the ninth annual Bush Stadium Bridal Show. Tell folks, if they're not familiar, a little bit about the show and also how you guys have seen this thing grow in popularity, size, and scope uh, over the last few years especially. It really has. You know, it started in a different venue, and now it's taken over the entire stadium. So guests will come in. Brides will receive um, a great special little goodie bag that um, includes lots of uh, special items and discounts, including um, a ticket voucher for two tickets to an upcoming game. Um, But they'll enter. They'll get to... uh, see all of the venues set up as they would be for a bridal event. So whether it's set up for a ceremony or a reception, a brunch. Um, so if you can't envision yourself uh, in a space, if you've only seen it during game day, you'll be able to see that firsthand um, during the show. Guests will also be able to um, experience the culinary creations from Delaware North Sports Service. Uh, they'll be making up a specialty cocktail and a bunch of other uh, food items to taste. The website is cardinals.com slash bridal show, cardinals.com slash bridal show. Tickets are 12 bucks in advance or $14 at the door. And, uh, again, like you said, this is not just showing up and looking at a couple of booths. You're actually getting to go all over the ballpark and envision how your special day, no matter what the day is, could play out. That's exactly right. There are vendors All kinds of different vendors, wedding planners and photographers, bakers, florists, all sorts of uh, different vendors to interact with, as well as our team and uh, and our friends from Delaware North Sports Service, our internal caterer. But also, yes, like you said, they can go around the ballpark and see all of the different clubs dressed up uh, for a bridal event. I know one thing that you guys really pride yourselves on at Bush Stadium when it comes to special events, but especially a day that will be incredibly special for people and uh, a day that surrounds a wedding is customization. You guys are, are so proud of your ability to work with people and come up with something unique for them for whatever it is that they may want or they may envision, right? That's exactly right. We, you know, we really do pride ourselves in being flexible and uh, creating uh, special experiences for people. So if they have envisioned uh 
if they have envisioned something really specific for their special day, we will do everything in our power to make that come to life. And, um, you know, we're all about creating memories here at, at Bush Stadium, and um, weddings are no exception there. The website is cardinals.com slash bridal show. How have you seen the vendors and, and the folks that uh, are able to showcase what they can do? How have those relationships grown and the options available to people grown at this show and, and give people just an idea of how much they will be able to experience on Sunday at the bridal show. Well, it has reinforced our relationships with these vendors that uh, that we were using anyway for the most part, but um, many of the vendors that we have had, uh, at the, that we will have at this bridal show, we have had in years past. So um, these are, for the most part, vendors that we have worked with firsthand since this ballpark's been open. More information at cardinals.com slash bridal show. Again, a guided tour of all the event spaces you'll visit with the vendors, cocktails, so d'oeuvres, samples, and a special goodie bag, including a voucher for tickets. There is complimentary parking available. Tickets $12 in advance, $14 at the door. It is this Sunday, January 28th, 1230 to 4 at Bush Stadium. Juliet, we appreciate it. Have a great time on Sunday. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Follow the Cardinals in style this coming season with a subscription to Cardinals Magazine. Sign up today and receive two free tickets all for just 35 bucks. Order now at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash magazine. We're back in a moment. Carlos Martinez on the Cardinals Cruise with Mike Claiborne next on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back. Let's head to the high seas. The Cardinals cruise going on right now. Mike Claiborne with Carlos Martinez. Let's talk a little bit about your offseason. You've been pretty busy. Yeah, man. Uh, this whole season is uh, pretty busy because uh, you know I, I I do I'm doing right now a lot of stuff with uh, with my foundation, and uh, you know you know what's going on right now. You know you you can see on the TV, you can see everywhere on the on the paper new, you know. But yeah, man. Uh, I just I just doing a lot of stuff because uh, you know um, uh, uh, my foundation right now is uh, is uh, pretty busy and and and. and in, and we help a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Talk a little bit about the off season for you. I know you had some things you wanted to work on for 2018. This is going to be a different looking ball club with some of the additions. Tell me a little bit about Marcelo Zuna. I know you know him fairly well. Yeah, man, he's my guy. You know, I know him uh, since I was a little kid. I was playing in, league, in minor league too with him in, in little league and here in Dominican. And uh, I know him. He's uh, pretty, pretty awesome. You know, beautiful person, beautiful player. You know, he's a power player. You know, the that trade is a, is a beautiful for for us because. You know, uh, we need him, and you need him, and, and, I, and I know he's going to help us a lot. And with you in the lineup this year, we'll have nine hitters in the lineup when you bat this year. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm working with, with 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 my bat because you know you never know you never know what's going to happen during the game. You know, and just try. I just try to. I just try every day. Every day when 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 I go into the to the home plate to hit some balls, I just try to put the ball on the field. You know, try to help me and, and help the team too. What do you try and do to stay in shape in the off season? I, I know you do a lot of charity work, but you still find time to work out. I know you get to the complex fairly early. You live in Miami now in Jupiter, so you see a lot of guys. What are some of the things you try and do now for your body at this stage of your career? You know, I just try to to uh, keep going with my weight. You know, uh, I just try don't don't be a fat. You know, <laughs> and uh, I just try to 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 keep working hard. You know, because uh, it's a long season. Uh, I just prepare for. September. 
September, and I just I just try to 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 help me a lot, you know, because uh, I don't want to hear during the during the season, and I want to be uh, ready for 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 spring training. And, and you know, it's something you talk about staying healthy and staying strong throughout the season. It's a long season. And you have to have something for September and October as well. How do you try and pace yourself with that? Do you try and watch your own personal pitch count? Or do you try and do little things to give yourself a pace and make sure you don't overdo it too early? Yeah, I, I, I just try, you know, uh, uh, prefer just... The first one, the first thing is uh, prepare for spring training, you know, and uh, be safety for 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 September and October because you know it's a, that's why you say it's a it's a long long season, and 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 everybody want wanna wanna see see the, the other team in in October, you know. I just I just prepare my men, prepare my body, and 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 keep going uh, with with uh, with my working. All right, let's work on getting a ring this year. Yeah, man, of course, man. I just try, just try to 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 keep it like 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 that, man. And 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 I will help the team a lot this year. And one final thing, you being part of this Cardinal Cruise, uh, for our listeners, uh, we most of the cruisers come to your own hometown and they hang out with you and you treat them to lunch and they can see where you grew up at and they made some great contributions to your foundation. We don't want to overlook the impact that they've been able to make with you and your foundation and also support your cause. Yeah, you know, this is my second time in the cruise and, and, and you know, you, you know uh, what's, uh, what's going on right now. But I just try to, to show the people, show the fans uh, where, where, can, where, can I, where can I'm from, you know, and, and, and show my, my city, my hometown. My, my hometown is so beautiful. I just show the, the people, to the, the, the fans, um, and, and having fun you, we, 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 with those guys because uh, they, they, they need to know where I came from. I like your hometown. I'm buying something down here for you, <laughs> sir. I'll be a neighbor before you know it. Thank you, sir. Good to visit with you, and let's have some fun this season. All right. But thank you so much. God bless you, man. 2018 theme tickets on sale now. All your returning favorites. How about Mizzou and Illini night? Military Appreciation night? Star Wars night? Margaritaville night? Plus, some newcomers this year like Elvis night. You can get details and a full list of dates at cardinals.com slash theme. We're going to head back to the winter warm-up to hear a little bit from Mike Shannon and John Rooney next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back. We're getting closer to spring training, but it's a great time had by all at winter warm-up a couple of weeks ago at Hyatt Regency at the Arch. Let's head there right now to hear from the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon and John Rooney. It's going to be a very interesting year, don't you think, John? Oh, my, Mike, with spring training. And the more I'm around the younger players, the more excited I get because they want to be a part of this. And I think spring training, they're going to make some decisions quite interesting by the time we're finished up. Well, who was here yesterday? Did you hear a, a John, John Mozalak, our uh, president of uh, baseball operations? Tell you what, he's getting set. You know, he's... Just in case, okay? He's got just in case on this side, and he's got just in case on that side. So I'm kind of excited about it. You know, they did some really great things. We brought Willie McGee back, brought our third base coach, uh, old third base coach back, okay? And uh, we had some other changes. There's some changes in the dugout with uh, some of the coaches there, okay? But the big fun part about it is when we get to Florida, and we're going to see how the young guys come back. And also how Mr. Wainwright does. You read that article about uh, Adam yesterday in the paper or today? He says he's feeling pretty good, you know. It's great when you're, when you're his age and you feel good, okay? 
It's kind of like the guy said, he said, youth, youth. It's a shame they wasted on the young. <laughs> He'll tell you about that, too. But I'm looking forward to seeing him throw. How about you, John? I am, too, Mike. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Miles Michaelis. Heard a lot about right. him. He's kind of riding under the radar because not that much is known about him yet. He's from Jupiter, and he's all set to jump right in. And it looks like he's going to have a chance to compete for a starting rotation spot. And great to have Luke Gregerson back. You know, John, I can't think of a year. And you've been here for how many years now? This will be the 13th year. 13th year. All right. I can't think of any of the years that you've been here or any of the years that I can remember that there's such a great opportunity for players. I mean, we got all kinds of uh, positions open. So, you know, anytime you have a plus, you have a minus. And last year was a minus for us, okay? And so, but there's always pluses because look at the guys that got a chance to play last year, all right? The shortstop, for instance, and what he did. And uh, now everybody's wide open. They say, hey, you know, Albert Pujols used to come to spring training every year, and you can verify this. And he said, what are you going to do this year, Albert? He said, first, I'm going to try to make the team. And he wasn't kidding either. He came down there every year, and uh, when he was the most valuable player, it didn't matter. He said, I'm going to try to make the team. And that's a great attitude to have because it's not easy to make the teams. (laughs) What Mike is saying, every time we talk about an at-bat or an inning for a pitcher coming in out of the bullpen or a start for that matter, they're all important. They're big, big Big, at-bats and innings. Big, big time is right. You got uh, started in the 60s with the Cardinals. Saw one of your old teammates, Charlie James, last night in Fulton. All right, yeah, Charlie's a electrical engineer. owns an engineering uh, uh, store down there. He sells uh, electrical stuff. Him and his wife, Joe, he he went to school out here in Kirkwood, okay, or, or Webster Grove. Webster one of Grove. Those. Webster Grove. And then uh, went to the University of Missouri, graduated from there, and then he moved from Columbia to Fulton, Missouri, after he played for the Cardinals, and a Friday night, we used to call it Charlie Friday night. He would smoke everybody on Friday night. He, 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 he had a batting average of about 600 on Friday night. Maybe 100 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But boy, I'll tell you, Friday night, and he hit Koufax very well, too, you know. Well, he was talking about Koufax and how hard Koufax threw. Mm-hmm. And some of our young guys, uh, in fact, it was uh, Harrison Bader, I think, commented right along with uh, some of the others, uh, Tommy Pham said, Koufax threw 100? I didn't know that. <laughs> they all threw 100 back then. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like Gibson. They said, it wasn't. Gibson, you know, a guy called me from Detroit the other day, and he's writing about the 68 World Series, and that's still, I'm still upset about that. But anyway, when Gibson struck out the 17 guys, now I'm going to tell you something. That was a good-hitting baseball team. Norm Cash, the uh, Hall of Fame right fielder, and I played against a lot of those guys in the minor leagues. Wirt for one of them. They, they could really hit. They were a really good hitter. And he struck out 17. I remember asking some of those guys, said, well, tell me about that day. He said, holy mackerel. It was like a high school uh, batter trying to hit Gibson. I mean, he, he threw 100 miles an hour when he wanted to, but his slider was like 90, 91 miles an hour, and it broke like that. That was a good article. So much. I, Rick Hummel who uh, runs the writer's den. He wrote an article about that 68 year that Gibson had. Asking me, he got tired. And that was a really good article. I hadn't seen that before. I'll see Gibson tonight. Bob will be there. 
But what an amazing run that was in the 60s with the Yankees win in 64, beating the Red Sox in 67, and being right there on the threshold of winning a third against the Detroit Tigers. And then it uh, it took a while to get the World Series win in 82. Well, you know, we, it was 18 years before the Red Sox uh, with Johnny Pesky and uh, Bobby Doerr and to, the, to, to 64 when we won again. So... I'll tell you what, these things don't grow on trees, as you well know. And here, John, he was with the White Sox World Series team. And what year was that? That was 05. And then 06, he comes here and he's World Series champions again. I was in Minnesota <laughs> one year, and they won. How many rings do you have? Well, they didn't give me one. Oh. <laughs> they said, you left, you don't get one. But 87, and then 05, 06, 11, and uh, 13 with the National League uh, Championship, and one year with the Bulls. So it's a pretty good collection. That Bulls, and now he'd have traded all those rings for the one, and he finally got one. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, all those six championships with the Bulls, that one with the White Sox, that's the one he wanted, and he got an 05. And Paul Konerko, an interesting story about that. Paul Konerko took the throw from our shortstop for the last out down in Houston, and nobody knew where that ball was. At the parade, Konerko reached into his pocket, handed the ball to Jerry Reinsdorf, the chairman, and I looked at Moose Scour and I said, Konerko's not signing anywhere else. He'll be back here for the rest of his career. Sure enough, he finished his career wearing the White Sox uniform. But the next year, the Cardinals won in 06, and I remember at the parade, Chris Carpenter looked at me, you just show up and get rings? And I reminded him it took 18 years in Chicago to get that one. They're, they're not, uh, it's tough enough to win one baseball game let alone a championship. And I've told my Cub friends in Chicago, you better win while you can because they're no secret anymore. Everybody's gunning for them, including the St. Louis Cardinals. It's going to be interesting. Joe Madden knows, too, I'll tell you that. But, you know, he's complaining about 18 years. Hell, the Cubs was over 100, right? (laughs) Well, as Jack used to say, anybody can have a bad century. (laughs) Well... Who's go- How many people are going to spring training this year? All right. It's going to be a fun spring training, I'll tell you that. It's going to be fun for John and I because it's wide open down there. We, you know, our, outfield, our outfield is pretty well set and our catcher is set, okay? But the pitching and the infield, show up, man. We're, we're looking for people that can. Oh, yeah. It's going to mean something with every bat and every pitch, as we talked about a while ago. But if you haven't been to spring training yet, Put that on your list of things to do. It's completely different from anything you'll experience during the regular season. And we have a great experience here in St. Louis for the regular year. But outside of the All-Star game, I think the players are more relaxed in spring training and and going about their business, getting their work in. Uh, It's just a whole different feeling down at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. Do you hear about that? It's Roger, Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium now. Well, they just added a Chevy. They just added Chevy. Yeah. <laughs> they had a national uh, article about him the other day. He was on uh, television. Right. And he's been gone for a long time. <laughs> yeah, his, kid, his kids gave him that as yeah. a birthday present, the naming rights to the ballpark down there. Everybody looked around. We thought he was some war hero Very or nice. yeah, Very something nice. like that. Do we want to take questions? We're going to take a few Michael questions. Yeah, we have, we're going to get some microphones out here in the well, audience. and. Yeah, Mike, uh, I want to know, what do you think of the acquisition of uh, Marcel Ozuna? Well, and, uh, John will tell you this. Before they before uh, they were after the other kid down there, I said, you know what? 
Give me those other two guys. I'll take Osuna and the other and the other guys are hell. Huh? Well, he's a he's a heck of a player. We see him almost every day in spring training. We'll see them six, eight, ten, ten times. And uh, I was more interested in Osuna and the other outfielder than I was in uh, Ben. No, don't get me wrong. Now he's a heck of a player. Okay, and and rightly so. But he can do it all. Now, he's five. There's no doubt. He's all five. He can hit for power, as we all know. But he's a heck of an outfielder, too, and a heck of a got a good arm and this and that. But you, you put that much money into one package, I don't like that because, you know, he. what, what happens if he gets hurt in spring training? So and I, with, I, and I, with I, what happened, Mike, there was all the trade talk for for Stanton and it set the table to make the deal for Ozuna. So there wasn't anything wasted in those talks with Stanton. My favorite Stanton story is Mike Stanton changes his name to Giancarlo. So Mike's calling the play-by-play, first inning of the first spring training game. Line drive to right. Stanton drops the ball. Mike would have caught that. <laughs> Don't change your name. That's not a good well, idea. that's it. <laughs> How did you come to love baseball? Well, I, you know, I've been playing since I, you know, like that, all right? So I played baseball, basketball, and football. I played uh, all three in high school and college. And I knew right away that I better, if I wanted to play professionally, I sure I shouldn't, I can't play basketball with those guys. And uh, now my game was football. But there wasn't any money in football when I was, when I came out of college. So... There was only one left. <laughs> now, if I wouldn't have played baseball, I would have been a criminologist or a criminal lawyer or something like that. My dad was a lawyer. I got a son that's a lawyer. But uh, criminology interested. I was interested in pretty much so. But uh, I was sitting in Washington University. I was going to see the dean, figure out if I wanted to go back to college, okay? And then I... I made the decision up. I'm thinking, what do I want to do? I'm going to play baseball or go back to school? I said, I can always go to college, you know, at, at eight. But I said, I can't always do it at baseball. So just as the, the secretary came out, I said, the dean will see you. I said, don't worry. I made up my mind. And I, I left. <laughs> Tell you what, it's, isn't it nice to have a professional broadcaster? I, I'm telling you. John and I have been, what, 13 years now? 13 years now. And I can get up and leave the booth, and I don't have to worry about anything. You know, it's like Bill Bill White was working with Phil Rizzuto, and uh, this is a true story. I talked to Bill. I talked to him two three days ago. Bill White's doing the color for Phil Rizzuto with the Yankee games. So, so Bill has to leave the booth, and when he comes back, he's looking at Rizzuto's uh, scorecard to see what the score happened. And there's W.W., and Bill says, what the hell is WW? And he says, wasn't watching. <laughs> That's a true story now, right, John? It's true. He said, wasn't watching WW. First, first time I met Phil Rizzuto, I walked into the press room at Yankee Stadium. I said, Mr. Rizzuto, it's a pleasure. He goes, well, try the fish. It doesn't taste fishy. <laughs> nice to meet you, Phil. Uh, he'd be over the GW Bridge before the end of the seventh inning every night. He left at the top of the seventh, and he'd be home by the bottom of the seventh. That's like uh, the guy that played center field, uh, you know, that wrote the book about being uh, crazy. Oh, well, that was Jimmy Pearsall. Jimmy Pearsall. He used to get he used to get thrown out when he's in Yankee Stadium, so he could he'd get thrown out in the first inning with Boston. And he'd jump around, you know, and everything. So they throw him out of the game so he could go see his family. <laughs> and I told him I. We were, we, he was uh, 
broadcasting for the Tigers, right? The White Sox. He White was with Sox. Harry. And I, I'm, I'm talking to him in, a, in the dugout down in uh, Florida in the preseason game. Down I in said, Sarasota. Yeah. I said, I said, man, you're crazy. He said, yeah. And I said, I got a certificate to prove it. He said, <laughs> he was, a, he was oh. a heck of a player. Jimmy. And he was a great outfield instructor for all those years. Uh, really good outfielders. Rocky coming Calavito. The, how about him? And the, through the Cub organization, Jimmy had a lot to do with that. But isn't it great, though, the people we come across in this business? It's amazing how many we've been presidents, uh, uh, CEOs, and but, but this is the fun time when we get to talk to you. For me, it, it is. You know? Me too. That lady comes with her little baby, and I, where are you from, young man? I'm from here. What grade are you in? Fifth grade. And, uh, where, well, this young man came up here. Where is he? He's so from Springfield. From? He says, I'm from Springfield. I said, Springfield what? Missouri. So what's the capital of Missouri? Boom. Right? Jefferson City. Jefferson City. I said, what's the, what's the capital of Illinois? You had to think for that one. For I said, he said, Springfield. I said, Springfield, Missouri. He said, no, Illinois. I said, you're right. There you go. <laughs> you got to stay on your toes with that one. But uh, we had uh, Meatloaf, the pop star, rock star, in the booth one time. Mike goes, what do we call you? Meat, Mr. Loaf. He could have been nice. <laughs> That's the one thing we're so blessed with. Mike and Jim Jackson and Mike Claiborne and Ricky Horton. We laugh and have fun every day and can't wait to come to work. It's a wonderful time. Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball. Packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at 1-800-892-7687 or cardinals.com slash vacations. We're back to wrap things up in a moment on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Wrapping up this week's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Thank you to all of our guests. Don't forget about the Cardinals 2018 calendar. What a beautiful, beautiful calendar. It spotlights some of the great artwork, some of the great photos, and your favorite Cardinals birthdays. It's on sale now throughout St. Louis, including the Bush Stadium Team Store, Cardinals Clubhouse Shops, and Area Grocers. You can also call 314-345-9000. Thank you to all of our guests tonight. It was great to be joined by Dan McLaughlin, Rick Hummel, John Mozeliak, Kenny Wallace, Kyle McClellan, Carlos Martinez, the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon, and John Rooney. Thanks to Julia Rowe from the Cardinals as well. Our executive producer is Ben Boyd. Mike Anderson, our producer here in our network studios, I'm Chris Raby. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren right here, as always, on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.